Welcome, Wildcats, to Weber State Weekly, a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, a man whose biggest comeback ever came just in time to get his high school diploma, Colby Peterson. On the pod today, we have a man whose greatest comeback came during his last semester, taking 18 credit hours, a full-time job, and a newborn baby, Dustin Chapman. The comeback was just being alive. That, that, that's what it was. There's, <laughs> I still don't know how I did it and like managed to be a person and not just a vegetable after that. He made it. Next, we have a man who overcame a 3-1 deficit to dunk on the Chinese language, AC. Bro, I'm in a year and a half course, and Chinese is kicking my butt, my sorry butt up and down the schoolhouse. But then final test comes along. I crushed it. Honor grad right here. Y'all are looking at him. Mm, nailed it. And finally, we have a man whose greatest comeback was surviving his nostrils freezing shut during a cold day in the tundra of Syracuse, New York, John King. I was walking to class, minus 42 uh, degree wind chill, coldest I've ever been in my life. And to unfreeze them, I had to get down on my knees in front of the the bathroom sink in the Newhouse School for Communications and run my face under under warm water while everybody watched me. And he survived. So on today's show, we've got a coach's interview for your folks. As you probably know, football season is this Saturday kicking off. So we've got an interview with offensive coordinator Matt Hammer. Talk a little bit about this team, especially this new look offense that we're looking forward to. Next, we'll be going over the football season, doing a preview with our panel here today, talking about what we can expect, kind of what they're thinking. Uh, Looking forward to that. And then finally, on our C block, we're playing a game called Hammer Time. So in honor of Coach Matt Hammer, We're going to see who's got the hottest take for Hammer Time, and we've got a secret silent judge who will be giving rankings. So before before we get started with all of that, I want to encourage everyone to subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Any of those places are great to subscribe and get this in your feed every single week because we got a lot of content coming up. We're going to start adding our instant reaction shows to the feed. So if you miss them on social media, they'll show up right there. You can listen to them right in your ears. Also, if you haven't already, follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Twitter is one of the best places to interact with the Weber State Weekly team, especially on game day. And we've got a lot of them coming up this week. So, And finally, if you haven't already, please... Tell your friends and family, if they're Wildcat fans, about Weber State Weekly, about the good things we've been doing, whether that's on our blog at weberstateweekly.com, whether that's on social media or listening to the show. The more people know about us, the, the better we can cover you guys, uh, our, our favorite school, and get this great content out there. All right, Wildcat fans, as we prepare for the football season, which will be starting this Saturday against our supposed rivals, Idaho State, uh, we are joined tonight by a very special guest we have with us. Offensive coordinator of the Weaver State football team, Matt Hammer. Coach Hammer, thank you so much for taking the time and chatting with us here on Weaver State Weekly. Thanks for having me, fellas. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're really excited to talk about this team. You know, been a lot of anticipation, especially after fall season got canceled and everybody was looking towards spring. And then there were some question marks about whether or not spring would happen. Well, it's going to happen. So let's dive in, Coach. Um, Let's start out with a little bit about you, Coach. You know, this is not your first rodeo at Weber State. You know, for the folks that remember, the back in the late aughts and early 2010s, you were there. And so uh, talk to us a little bit about your journey. Maybe, you know, that time at Weber State, then what you've been doing since, and now back as the offensive coordinator for Jay Hill. I got to Weber State in, the, in January of 2006. Um, I got done playing at the other school down south that we don't talk about very much here. Um, <laughs> I GA'd on defense in 2006 with the uh, – Coach Kevin Clune, 
um, with the linebackers. Got hired in the spring of 2007 to coach running backs. Coach running backs in 2007, 2008. Got promoted to be the offense coordinator in 2009. Still coaching running backs. Um, in 2010, 2011, um, still as the OC. Moved to coach receivers um, for a couple years. And then in 2012, finished up um, with coaching running backs. After Mac retired, John L. hired me to continue to be the OC. Did that for a year, got to a point where felt like it was time for a change. And I took the head coaching job at Weber High, program that had struggled, uh, to say the least. They had lost 24 straight games when I got there. Um, we left. We definitely left the program in a better spot than we found it. I was happy of that progress. I live in that community now. It was a fun project. Last two years there, we went 6-0, and 6-0 and in our league, five shutouts, did some good things in those league games, and just couldn't break the hump through the quarterfinal bill. And, but the thing you learn about being a high school coach is you got to have a little bit of everything. You got to know a little bit of everything. O-line, D-line, safety, receiver, kicker, this, that. Just your your toolbox has to get deeper. Had an opportunity to come back, work for Coach Hill in the, I guess it'd be January 2019 um, as the inside linebackers coach. Cherish that opportunity, uh, sitting in the same room with him for a year when Coach Schramm decided to leave and go to Utah State. Had the opportunity to switch sides of the ball and go back to what my passion deeply is, is being on the offensive side of the football. We did some really good things here from 2009 to 2012. Top 20 offense three of the four years. Uh, top 10, two of, the, two of those four years with some kids that were good football players. So I'm excited to be back on that side of the ball. You learn a lot of different things as you go through your process of coaching, you know, things that and it's usually things that go wrong in a game you just learn from you know those are the things that's helped me grow over the last six or seven years kind of crazy scenario here that my last game when I was here in 2012 we were at Idaho State watched CJ Tuckett run for 294 yards that day or whatever it was 289 and now we're gonna go back up there and have an opportunity to call a game again that's incredible coach. And, you know, I got to say, I lived in Plain City for a while while you were coach over at Weber High. And I remember fondly the making my way home late at night from work and uh, watching folks make their way back from from Fremont, heading back home to Weber. And you guys got the dub that night. Now, that was a lot of folks. That was a big, big game. There were a couple of big games uh, back and forth uh, across town on that. So a lot of success at Weber High. Glad, glad to have you back at Weber State especially coaching the offensive side of the ball, which I think everybody can agree. It's a place where uh, there's definitely some area for improvement, and uh, we're excited to see that. So, Coach, we wanted to ask you, you know, just starting out overall, um, give us an idea of kind of like what's your scheme? What are you kind of planning for the offense? You know, what, what's going to look different from years past at Weber State? A lot of different personnel groupings, um, a lot of different personnel, uh, formations, motions, tempo. You know, we – we like the word to describe our offense as multiple. We'll, have, we'll get in into some situations where we're in 22 personnel and we're running downhill at you, and then the next play will be an empty and everywhere in between. We got to do a great job of using those personnel groups to our to our advantage, and then ultimately in offensive football, you got to be able to find space for your guys. How do we get our playmakers in space so they can do what they do, whether that's your running back, your quarterback, your receivers, your tight ends. There's things that will be to this offense that 
will be dynamic and we'll be we'll win the line of scrimmage. We'll have elements in it where the quarterback will run. We got to have real identity to us of throwing and running the football. We've done a great job of running the football here. We got to do a great job of throwing it as well. Yeah, coach, when I look at the uh at the roster, I I see almost an embarrassment of riches <laughs> from the skill positions. Uh feels like it might be the deepest class I've ever seen at at running back, wide receiver, quarterback, um, you, you name it. Uh, how do you guys address? I mean, do you feel the same way? And how do you how do you get the ball in the hands of all those weapons? You you know you get seventy five plays or so of football game. You spice up that piece of pie seventy five ways. Are you doing the right thing with those seventy five plays? You know, to go through a football game and Rashid Shahid only gets two targets to him. That's not good coaching. Um, you know, so it's it's our job to get the playmakers the ball and get the targets they need um, and that they deserve. Um, but you look at it from top to bottom. You know, Josh Davis has been a proven commodity here. Um, ultra competitive, one of the hardest working kids on our team. Um, come off of what he did as a freshman, what he did as a sophomore, on track to break Trevin, Trevin Smith's all-time rushing record. And with this extra spring season, he'll probably be one of the only running backs in Big Sky history to rush over 6,000 yards in his career um, if he stays healthy. Um, you know, you add young, talented guys that haven't really had the opportunity to show up on um, show out on Saturdays with Dante McMillan and Daniel Wright. Um, you know, Dave Jones, that we slid over from corner a little bit to, to bolster that group. Um, and then Chris Jackson getting back to the point where he's getting close from a off season shoulder surgery to make that group very, very competitive. You know, probably the biggest, transformation that I've seen within our offense is our tight end group. Oh, we have five music, guys right music now to my that, ears. that I think all can play. Um, you'll see four tight ends play throughout the game and all four of them have unique skills that they can do. They can run, they can block, they can play in space. Um, you know, then you get into the eight or nine guys at receiver that I really think can help us stretch the field vertically are competitive, they're going to attack the football, they're going to compete their butts off in the run game, you know. But with all that being said, with those skill positions, like you're saying, we got to have the trigger guys to get in the ball on time, in space, and let them do what they're capable of doing. Coach, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you coached inside linebackers um, in, your, um, in, in 2019. And so – I wanted to ask you like how that time on the defensive side of the ball has shaped your play calling ability. Part of it is the, the simple sound things that, you know, I mean, you're talking, how do you do things in the run game? Well, you got to be able to get to even numbers, you know, that's pretty elementary. Um, you know, and then you take it to the next step of that. Okay. What puts who in conflict? What makes it hard? You know, what's, what makes a hard on um, linebackers eyes? What makes a hard on safety's eyes? You know, is it a shift? Is it a motion? Is it split zone? Is it insert? Is it this or that? You know, but how can you hold all 11 guys accountable on every single play with 
what you're doing in the run game rather than just lining up and just running weak zone and weak side zone. And it is what it is. You know, there'll be parts of some simple stuff that way. But the things that I think you'll find within our offense is we're going to make dudes be accountable for what it is, you know, and how they play. Um, and so things that I, I've learned as a play caller by being on the other side of it is now there's some, some parts of it is what scared me as a defensive coach, you know, what's hard to defend, um, you know? And so just like what I was saying earlier is the more you coach and the more that knowledge you have, the more tools you have. Um, and so how do you use all that as a play caller to get your best guys the ball at the right, at the right time in the right amount of space, you know, and those types of things. And so it definitely helps. Um, I definitely think guys that have the ability to be on both sides of the ball um, can ultimately help you in these types of situations. So I think that the fan base as a whole is super excited about this spring season, about really 2021 as a whole. Right. And so I, I want to know your perspective. What about the team in general and the offense specifically excites you the most? Well, probably the biggest thing, and it's this is nothing sexy or crazy. Our guys like each other, you know, and that's what that's what's exciting for me. Our guys like to be around each other. They're competitive for each other. Um, and so you talk about brotherhood, you talk about family, you talk about culture. That is a very living, breathing deal here at Weaver State right now. Um, so I'm probably the most excited about that. And frankly, we're going to be around each other 25, hopefully 25, 26 weekends over the next year. And so, um, we'll see how much we actually like each other at that point. That's exciting to hear because the best teams I've ever been a part of, whether it be inside of sports or professionally in life, have always been the ones where you get along with the people around you. It makes a big difference when you're going to battle every day, right? No doubt. No doubt. You know, for, for more for more of a football side of it, um, I think we're dynamic. I think we're explosive. I think we're we have it's a violent game. If you come and watch us practice right now and watch our O-line and D-line go against each other, tight ends, linebackers, it's violent and it's good. Um, and so that's probably the most exciting because I know we have the playmakers that can do things with the football, but that violent culture that is being created um on an everyday basis at practice you know it's old saying that iron sharpen iron sharpens iron and i love that we get a play against our defense every day i love that challenge that we have to show up and be very very prepared and we got to win one-on-ones matchups between the left tackle and the left defensive end you get noah Tagi having to block george tarless you have um Ty Whitworth and Ben Boss have to work a double team on Khaleesi Mully and working up to Noah Vea. You know, there's there's dudes all over the field that are really, really good football players here right now. I know for us, a lot of fans, uh, all eyes are on on the QB position. How, how's the progression been there? And at what point do you guys announce announce who's actually starting? Uh, maybe about 4 o'clock on Saturday. That's about what I figured. <laughs> um, no... I like all four of our guys that I have that I have in our room right now. Um, you know, that we I have five total. We had a we had a Bridger Hamblin that joined us as a walk on. Um, but RJ, Bronx, 
TB, Kylan, they've all done a great job. They're all growing. They all get better. Their knowledge is, is continually to just get better and better and better. Um, you know, and it's, it's really narrowed down to RJ and Bronze. Um, and both of them have done a really good job since they've got here, you know, May, early June, um, of learning the offense. And for both of them, not playing in the fall is a blessing. You know, if those, both those guys had to play in the fall, I don't know how ready they would have been. But, you know, they're able to go through and have, you know, the 13, 14 practices, whatever we ended up getting done in the fall. And then all of this camp here in the spring um, and now play a game rather than what it would have been. Um, it's It's been a huge blessing for my room that way. Um, but they're a little different, um, in their abilities, uh, but they're both very, very capable of winning championship football. Um, and that's why they're both here. So along those lines, you're bringing in a new system, right? New offensive coordinator, new, new scheme, new quarterback as well. How difficult is it to implement all this stuff as well as a completely new vocabulary in the time that you have prior to the season? Well, I think it was a normal year where, you know, you just get a spring and then you get somebody in there and you only have a little bit of time in the summer and fall camp. It's a little bit more challenging, but we've had plenty of time now. Um, there's no excuses for us not to go out and play really, really well and execute at a high level because we've had a ton of practice. You know, there's not many times where you get your full team for the most part to go through essentially a spring ball and a fall camp and ready to go. Usually you only get, one of those, you know, fall camp where you get that whole component of that team. We've, we've been fortunate where we added just a few guys at mid-year, Josh Alave, LJ Anderson, Jordan Allen, you know, a few guys there where the majority, 95% of our football team practice with us in the fall. Um, and so to sit back and say, oh, this or that, no, we've had plenty of time. Um, to implement what it is. And it's not that we changed the, the, a lot of the verbiage I kept the same of what was in and installed from vocabulary and formations and how play, how plays were called, but it's just the, um, the way it's called and how it's done and what we do with it. That is, that will be different for sure. Coach, I, uh, you, you brought up the tight end play. And I think that that's an area where, um, since 2017, you know, we've kind of uh, had long for the days of Andrew Vollard. I know I have. You know, Andrew was a great player for us. And uh, now we've got a couple of guys in here. I'm really excited to hear you talk a little bit more about that tight end group, especially, you know, bringing in Logan Strom, who was kind of an, or an unorthodox player to come into Weber State football and take over a tight end position and try and make that transition. Talk to us a little bit about that core. You know, what gets you excited about those guys? What do we, what should we expect to see out of that tight end group? Because I think they're going to make a big difference for this offense going forward. Well, they're all big, long, physical dudes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just, Justin Malone's kind of the Swiss Army knife of, of that position that can play in space, can put his hand on the ground, can play in the backfield, um, can do a little bit of everything that way. Um, Hayden Meacham's more of that hand in the ground, going to knock the knock you off the ball. Very, very physical, dominant. He had a great offseason. He's strong. He feels good right now. Um, Davis Rasmus, six foot eight, six foot nine, can run, can um, can really use his length to his advantage, has great, great ball skills, probably the best ball skills on our team. Um, 
Dallin Jamison's more of the can stretch you in different ways. Um, but he had a very, very, very good off season on how and what he did with his body. Um, he's strong right now. Um, you know, Logan Snyder is a kid that had walked on here from Pennsylvania and he did a great job through fall camp and, and found a lot of guys pulling for him because of the way he played. Um, you know, and then you add Logan Strom and Jordan Allen to that group. You know, we have seven tight ends on our football team right now. If that tells you how much we love that position. Yeah, definitely very excited to see those guys play because, like I said, uh, big physical guys and especially the way that Weber State likes to run the football. Uh, good to hear that there are a lot of guys who can really, you know, take up some of those blocks and really make a difference on the line. In, in addition to having good hands, being physical, you know, being willing to cross the middle and, you know, catch a ball and get five yards when we need it. You know, it's been so long since Weber State has played a um, football game. What are you most excited about um, on Saturday? Look, what are you looking forward to the most? I'm just excited for that game day vibe. Um, being, being around the game, as long as I've been around it now, you know, you get, you cherish those Saturdays. You cherish the feeling in the locker room. You know, I know it's going to be different. I know it's only going to be 2,800 fans. But it's just a different type of intensity. Um, and you can't, you can't create that unless you play the game. Um, you can't create that unless you're walking down that tunnel. You can't create that, you know, of just those types of feelings, um, you know, before the game, during the game, after the game of what it is. You know, football is very, very special for the, those reasons. Um, and part of the reason, you know, a lot of the reason of why I do what I do. You know, I love that competitive feeling that you get on Saturdays, you know, and then the other side of it, I'm excited to watch our guys play. It's been a long dang time, you know, of what everybody's had to go through over the last year, um, you know, over the last 11 months of the pandemic and the virus deal and the on and off the start, the stop, um, the uncertainty of all this stuff and watch our guys persevere through that all uh, and the de dedication and hard work um, and everything that's gone into it, you know, from top to bottom, from our players, our coaching staff, our administration, everybody that supports us and wants to see us play and do those things. I'm excited to see that pay off, uh, um, you know, probably probably more so than the other feelings that I'd get on the game day deal. I'm excited for our kids to be able to play the game they love to play on Saturday. Yeah, yeah well, Coach, we'll be looking forward to it. Uh, if you don't already know, Wildcat fans, Weaver State football will be playing against Idaho State. Like Coach Hammer mentioned, that game will be in Pocatello, only 2,700 fans. As far as we know, no tickets are available to Wildcat fans, so you'll your best option is to watch that game on Pluto TV, uh, like we said, 4 p.m. So, Coach Matt Hammer, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time to chat with us, You know, get reacquainted with Wildcat fans. Like we said, not your first rodeo in Ogden. And uh, chatting with us a little bit about what we can look forward to when, you know, the, the ball gets kicked at 4 p.m. in Pocatello on Saturday. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate your time. Hey, Wildcat fans, if you're a small business owner looking to promote your business on Weber State Weekly, we've got some good news. We're looking for sponsors that care as much about what's going on up on campus as we do. We can plug your business on our show, in our new email newsletter, or even in our live instant reaction shows on social media. For more info, send us an email at weberstateweekly at gmail.com for pricing and more information.
All right. We want to thank Coach Matt Hammer for taking a little bit of time to chat with us. Uh, you know, obviously they're very busy this week getting ready for that first football game. And so meant a lot for him to take 20 minutes of his day and talk to us about the offense and this wonderful opportunity to really make a run at Frisco, Texas. We're all looking forward to it. So now, guys, let's turn our attention to the football season because we've only got six conference games, uh, three away, three at home. And so we wanted to talk with our panel a little bit about it. Um, what does it look like? You know, let's, let's be real for a minute. So I wanted to ask, you know, a lot of people have accused the Wildcats of having the softest schedule in the big sky this year. I, I think that's fair, but I wanted to get it from the panel. What do you think is going to be the most challenging game on the schedule as it sits now? Because we've had some changes. So I want to start with Dustin Chapman. What do you think? What's the most challenging game on the schedule that we have thus far? So it's going to be uh, the, the March 6th game at Cal Poly. And normally the California schools aren't, you know, <laughs> other than SAC last year. But um, they haven't contributed a whole lot to the conference. But Cal Poly oh, is unfair. unfair. I mean, UC Davis has been very good lately. That's true. I guess it's, it's probably more just my bias of just not wanting them in the conference. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but uh, but Cal Poly, their head coach is Bo Baldwin. Uh, if anybody you know is is good on their their Big Sky football history, Bo Baldwin was the coach at Eastern Washington when they won a national title. He's a very good coach. Uh, left Eastern Washington to be the uh, to coach at I believe Cal, um, and left Cal last year and went to Cal Poly. He's a good coach. He's got good blood. Uh, we all know in college that coaching is what makes the difference and Cal Poly has a coach. So I think that is going to be the toughest game. Okay. I think that's fair. Uh, you know, they're not, there's, you know, that's normally a triple option team and Jay Hill has been very good against the triple option seen it against Cal Poly a number of times, saw it against Kennesaw state in the playoffs uh, in 2019, but uh, that's going away now. Bo Baldwin's going to bring a new look to that Cal Poly team. And so we'll see what that looks like in San Luis Obispo second game of the season. I want to go to AC now. AC, what do you think is going to be the most challenging game on this schedule thus far? First off, I'm disagreeing with Chappie because we want the California schools in the conference because we got a killer recruiting base in California. Keep California. We need to be playing there. We need to be in front of these high school kids' eyes. Mm. California stays. Next, the poly game is going to be tough because I think we don't really know what to expect. I don't think it's going to be the most tough. I think the most tough game is going to be UC Davis. Davis, yeah. Davis, so they underachieved last year i think they went five and seven if i remember correctly but they spent a good chunk of the season in the top 25 they spent like a really good chunk of the season in the top 25 so the talents there the coaching's there they got dan hawkins he of boise state and later colorado fame and i i think that they they've got a little bit of of talent they've got something that they can work with there right weber state is the benefactor of a week schedule not entirely all their fault, right? They, the conference tried to protect rivals this year, and Weber State's protected rival is Idaho State. And if it wasn't going to be Idaho State, guess who it was going to be? SUU. So, I mean, that's not really Weber's fault, right? None of the scheduling is Weber's fault. We do have a weak schedule. I think the toughest game on it is going to be Dan Hawkins and UC Davis. They were they were stick bit in that, if I remember right, in that 2019 season. They, they It was like they, they kept losing games they shouldn't or they kept losing close games. Yes, yeah. and they probably stayed in the top 25 a little bit too long, in my opinion. Um, but I, I think that they, they do have a little bit of a reputation for being a good team, right? And, um, I mean, out of everybody, I, I think that they have what it takes to be a top four team in the spring season of the Big Sky this year. So we'll see what they can do. I, I think that they'll be the toughest matchup for us. 
Yeah, I think that's expected. Like you said, of the of the teams playing, probably a top four for for Davis is probably reasonable. Um, I believe they did go to the playoffs in 2018, ended up losing in the first round, but still, you know, made the playoffs, um, and that's not nothing. So um, we'll see. I, I agree with you, AC. I think that Davis is probably going to be the toughest matchup for the Wildcats looking at the schedule. But John King, I want to go to you. Uh, what do you think is going to be the toughest matchup? You know, so, you know, my, my, my head tends to agree with, um, you know, with, with AC about UC Davis. I mean, you know, when you look at the schedule and you're trying to determine, you know, which one of these games is going to be tough. I mean, you know, in normal circumstances, you know, I would have said something like Cal Poly because, you know, Traditionally, we would have thought that they were a triple option team, but, you know, that's not the case anymore. And so, um, you know, the rest of the schedule between, you know, Idaho State twice, Northern Arizona, Southern Utah, you know, all very, very winnable games. I, I just think it's kind of a process of elimination type thing that the answer is UC Davis. I mean, you know, like AC said, you know, I, I, I also tend to agree that, you know, they have top four potential, you know, for this big sky, um, for this big sky season. I mean, you know, they're going to be a team that, you know, is kind of a dark horse trying to sneak their way into the playoffs. I mean, maybe not on everybody's radar right now, but like, let's give it three weeks and see what happens. Um, but like, you know, I hate to say it, but you kind of go through the schedule and you're like, all right, well, let's, let's break it down by process of elimination. And when you look at that, UC Davis seems to be the name that I keep coming up with. Yeah, because like like AC brought up, Dan Hawkins has been a very consistent coach at Davis. I've done a good job. They've got a lot of money there. Uh, they got, a, I think, a pretty good facilities, and they've got a fan base there that really you know supports them. Um, but they did lose some big pieces. Uh, they did lose their quarterback, Jake Mayer, who was very good for them. Um, but also, you know, I think Northern Arizona is in the same situation where Northern Arizona lost Case Cookus, and so they will. It's very difficult to recover from a skill position like that um, if you're not able to reload quickly. So we'll see what that means for those folks. Um, and of course, the Wildcats are not playing Eastern Washington on the schedule, which is, I think is unfortunate, but also understandable because um, I think they, they would be probably the, the, the next top matchup if, if there were to be one, you know, the Wildcats and, and the Eagles. So I guess that's just the way it goes. But I think I agree with you folks. Uh, Davis, uh, that looks like it. Luckily, we'll be facing them at, on our turf in Ogden, which we're, was a place where we're very good on March 13th. So looking forward to that. But I uh, want to move on now, guys, to um, to our next question, which is because the schedule is so soft, a lot of people have brought this up that Weber has got the softest schedule in the big sky this year, um, which is fine because we, you know, we really have played the gauntlet in the last couple of years. We've played a lot of the top teams in conference play, and we've come out victorious in many of those games. Does it hurt the Wildcats as teams get ranked throughout the season, though? You know, you're not playing a lot of really good teams. We saw uh, a top five matchup against South Dakota State and Northern Iowa this last weekend on Friday night. Um, there's not going to be any of that for the Wildcats. So it doesn't hurt them as the rankings continue to come out. Chappie, what do you think? I, I do. I, I think it hurts them in two ways. Uh, it hurts in a practical sense because, as we all know, or maybe some people don't know, but the postseason is all about seeding. Okay? Getting, getting the right seed in the postseason honestly determines how far you go. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's how, how long do you avoid North Dakota state and JMU at this point for Weber state? That's that, that, so it's seating and seating matters. And I think as the season goes on, if, if Weber state has some close games against unranked opponents, whereas South Dakota state beats UNI, I think the committee and I think people that do the seating in, 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 in the eventual bracket 
are, are going to maybe give Weber State some negatives, you know, have it be uh, stuff that hurts them when, when seeding comes down to it. Okay. So that's, that's the first thing. I think it hurts for seeding in the, in the tournament, uh, in the playoffs, which is ultimately what we're trying to do. The second part of this to me is playing a week schedule. We have good coaches, so I'm not overly worried about this, but you need to play those good teams and get ready for those good teams. I, I, two years ago or 2019 season, Weber State running the gauntlet, I think honestly prepared them for the tough games they were going to face in the playoffs. Okay. What I don't want to happen is Weber State get to the playoffs and be surprised by their first round opponent being better than they thought. Right. <laughs> that that's, that's the concern for me is that maybe they get upset earlier in the playoffs than we would like them to, because they hadn't been challenged up to that point enough. Yeah. Cause I agree with you, Chappie. I think that in order for the Wildcats to really maintain a rank, they, because the season is, you know, the schedule is fairly soft. You're really going to have to do a good job of putting a lot of points up on teams, making sure that it is not close. You know, it does comfort me though, to hear what Matt Hammer just told us. The fact that when he was the offensive coordinator, they were a top 25 offense in the country. Uh, those are good. Those are good words to hear because we have not heard those words the last few years. It's been a struggle to get touchdowns, even though we've had a lot of really good personnel. Well, and our friend Kyler Neal uh, from Eagles Power Hour and also the the FCS Fans Nation podcast, uh, he had a really good point when they were doing their season preview last week on their show. Uh, you know, he said point blank, if Weber State loses a game, they shouldn't be in the playoffs. And as tough as that is to hear might be truth to that <laughs> if you don't have a strong schedule and you lose a game and the playoffs are reduced we're with 16 teams well i think I'd, I'd push back a little bit on that and say i don't necessarily think that they shouldn't be in the playoffs at all you know teams have mental lapses it's been a long time since we played football i mean the game that we saw on friday night between sdsu and northern iowa that you know before you know all of this happened in the fall Northern Iowa was ranked ahead of the, of the Wildcats, you know what I mean? And they did lose a lot of folks to transfer, but still, uh, Northern Iowa didn't look great on Friday night. They looked okay, not great, not dominant. And so should the Wildcats drop one early in the season? I don't think that that automatically means, oh, they shouldn't be there at all. I'd, I'd push back there. And I'd push back, I'd push back on it too, but I, I just think it means that the margin of error is a lot slimmer than it could otherwise be. Certainly, right, because there's, no, well, there's no makeup game. Something else you got to consider too is, I mean, there's still a pretty good chance that you share the conference championship even with a loss. Yeah, because Eastern Washington and Idaho, that's going to be cannibalism. Those two, it's it's the probably on paper everybody's second and third favorite teams, and they they got to play each other twice. So is one of them going to sweep one? Or are they going to split the series? I mean, I think there's a good chance Weber happen. State loses one game, whoever it may be. There's still really good chance they win part of the conference crown. So I, I don't buy that if they lose a game, they're just out. Like, I, I don't think that's how it works. And I, I get that they have a weak schedule. I get that, mm. but there are still a whole bunch of other factors you've got to consider with that. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, like track record is one of those, right. Where it's like, well, the Wildcats may have dropped the game, you know, they're still working out some of the kinks early in the season or something, or maybe even I, I doubt late in the season, but uh and so what does that mean? You know, it's like, well, the Wildcats have been in the, in the playoffs, you know, basically every year since 2016. So all Sam Herter told us that when he came on the show, Sam Herter was like, yeah, this year, more than ever in the spring season, name recognition, brand recognition, that's going to be huge yeah. it, because it it, it's going to be program, you know, the, how you've been over the last few years. And guess what? Weber State over the last few years is probably a top five program in the entire country. Yeah, no, yeah. The re reputation no, no has never been better. And it, that is the 
the thing we have going for us. Uh, you know, I think I think a lot of this is going to come down to reputation, kind of like the guys, you know, have said so far. I mean, I would like to compare this to more of an FBS example, but like, you know, I think that Weber State's kind of like an Ohio State situation where Ohio State, you know, played a limited number of games. You know, they played on a pretty weak side of the Big Ten. Um, you know, really the only tough game that they had to play this entire year was, you know, against Indiana, which you know, they played really, 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 really close. Um, so, you know, I do think that Weber State having that brand recognition is going to help out a lot. Now, as far as, you know, do they do we have room to lose a game? I, personally, I believe that if a loss is going to happen, it's got to happen in the beginning of the season. I mean, we've seen that all the time, you know, kind of with college football. You know, one benefit that Weber State has right now is we're starting the year very high in the rankings. And so, mm -hmm. you know, is are the polls really going to snap to create, you know, a really snap judgment? Um after a quick early loss, like are you, you going to drop all the way from three to you know sixteen? And I, I I don't know. I, I think that that would be tough, especially with all the stuff going on with the pandemic and everything in the country. So you know you have that little bit of a benefit where like you probably if you lost early in the season, you probably wouldn't drop dramatically, you know, in the polls, and then you could then hopefully rebound when the you know run the table with the rest of your schedule, and then you know finish the season five and one, if that was the case. Now, I mean, I've said before, you know, when we did the first schedule breakdown, I mean, at the end of the day, I think we're going undefeated. I mean, there's yeah. really no excuse as to why, in my opinion. I mean, you know, we've all talked about before that, you know, the big sky definitely protect, protected Weaver State. There's no doubt in my mind about that. They, 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 you have to protect your big name teams in the conference when they shrink the playoff size from 24 to 16 teams, you just have to do it because it's worth too much to the conferences for um, uh, to, to limit the number of teams that they can get in the um, uh, to get in the tournament by having the entire conference cannibalize itself. So, you know, the big sky probably looked took a look at things like, look, our goal this year is we need to get two or three teams in the tournament. We need to get two for sure. And if we get three in the tournament, great, you know, fantastic year everybody's going to bring that money home to the conference we're all going to split that up we all need that money because you know everybody's having budget problems because of all this COVID stuff so you got to protect your teams that you well, think you're going to be yeah, there let's be smart about it right and that's 100 what i believe the big sky did but you know at the end of the day i don't think this is going to be you know anything can happen in sports i get that but um I don't think this is going to be an issue that has to really has to be worried about. And I really think that at the end of the day, we're going to be comparing this Weber State team a lot to how, you know, Ohio State situation kind of worked out at the FBS level. Well, uh, you know, there's a lot to watch, guys. And of course, we want to hopefully see the Wildcats go 6-0 and in this, but I also wanted to address the fact that that could potentially not happen. Like John King said, anything could happen in sports. And so wanted to talk a little bit about what that could look like before we moved on. So appreciate the conversation here. Uh, now, before we go to our C block, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be playing hammer time. So stick around. Hey, Wildcat fans. This episode of Weber State Weekly is sponsored by Wildcat Rack. If you're looking for one-of-a-kind, officially licensed Weber State apparel, Wildcat Rack is the place. All the designs and apparel are made right here in Weber County by people who know and love the purple and white. Check out the latest designs by going to their website, wildcatrack.com, and be sure to follow them on Facebook and Instagram for new designs and sneak peeks as they become available. Now, back for more Weber State Weekly. 
All right, Wildcat fans, welcome back. We're going to be moving on to our C block now, talking about Hammer Time in honor of Coach Hammer, who was just on uh, previously in the show. We're going to be taking who's got the hottest take for Hammer Time here on Weber State Weekly. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give the panel a sport. They're going to give me their spiciest take for that sport. Then we are going to pass that take on to our silent judges. They're going to give us a verdict. What is that, a mild take, uh, a medium take, a hot take, or a ghost pepper take? They're going to rank them, and then based on that, uh, we're going to declare a winner. So let's get started. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Dustin Chapman, and our opening salvo is going to be football. Dustin Chapman, what's your spiciest take for this football team? However many fans they decide to let in the stadium, it's probably not going to feel like it's that much more full than it would in a normal season game. Starting us out. Okay. And that makes me, makes me sad is really what it makes me. It makes me really, really sad that we are at this place in Weber state football history where we have a team this good and, you know, people don't go to the games. It's my forever conundrum of of being a a Weber state supporter. Mm. All right. Passing that one on to the judges, and the take is mild. Attendance smack is mild. Mm. Ah, I was surprised by that. I really thought that was a spicy take. AC, what about you? What's your spiciest football take? My spiciest take. We're heading to Frisco, but it's not, how, it's not just that we're heading to Frisco. It's how we're going to get there. We're going to run it back. We're going for the fourth Big Sky Conference Championship, and we're going to do it at a pace that would set records for total offense in a season and would set records for total defense in a season. We're going to lead the conference in both of those, first in total offense, first in total defense, get the fourth Big Sky Conference Championship, and we head into Frisco this year. That's my spicy take. That is spicy, especially with a team like Eastern Washington playing, who is a very good offensive team. Uh, Defense, uh, you know, we've been pretty good there, so... Let's pass that one on over to the judges. Uh, how's AC's take, folks? Survey says, medium take. Uh, he didn't call the win in Frisco. Uh, I think he kind of did, did he not? We, we were running it back. He said, we're, we're taking it all. Uh, anyway, judges say a medium take, so better than Chappies. Let's go to John King. John King, what's your hottest take for football? I'm going to go the postseason award route. I okay. think that Weber State football will have six first-team All-Americans out of a possible 22. Wow, that is a lot. That's a whole heck of a lot, especially considering, like we talked about in the last segment, the quality of player that the Missouri Valley Conference has. Um, you know, we've, we've, we got to see Coach Prime, you know, Deion Sanders at Jackson State this weekend. Uh, he's got a lot of players down there, too. So that's, a, that's quite a spicy take, I think. But let's pass it over to the judges. And this one is Ghost Pepper. This is unprecedented. So... John King walking away with the first round. Uh, he's getting the uh, ghost pepper take, saying that we're going to have six rigged. All-Americans. This is rigged. <laughs> this is rigged. Oh, man. Don't get us started. All right, Wildcat fans. Uh, Wildcats, now we're going to move on to our next segment, which is going to be softball. So I want your spiciest take for softball. Let's start with you, Chappie. What do you got for us? Uh, if there's a softball team at Weber State University, which is a good team, Cannot fault them for this. Uh, there should also be a baseball team at uh, Weber State University. That uh, They should play at Linquist Field. It should be a thing, especially with minor league baseball maybe going the way it is uh, and baseball in Ogden potentially going the way it is. I think uh, college baseball would do well in Ogden uh, at Linquist Field. Send that one in to the judges. Uh, next, AC, what's your take for the softball team? 
my take is that Weber State's got a whole bunch of really good coaches right now. And Mary Kay Amicone has done the most impressive job out of all of them. Every, and I know, I know who I'm including here. Yeah, I know who I'm including. Mary Kay Amicone had a team that was two and 48, two wins out of 50 games. And she turned them around. And guess what? We've won four Big Sky Conference championships in a row. And we've won an NCAA tournament game in a tournament that includes everybody. It's not FBS and FCS. It includes everybody. And we're winning on that level. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll fight you on this one. Jay Hill was had a program that was left for dead by John L. Smith. No, I'll get out of here. We're not doing that. Right. We're not doing that. Okay, the take is, you know, Mary Kamikone is basically the GOAT. She's the GOAT on campus at Weber State. All right, John King, what's your spicy take for softball? Let's just let's just get aggressive here. I mean, I, I, I think that our softball team this year will make it all the way to the championship of one of the NCAA regionals. I don't think we'll make it to a super regional this year, but make it to the championship for one of the regional spots. That is a spicy take. Uh, man, I mean, I've watched a few of the games thus far and used to work on pitching, but okay. I like I like the take. So we're going to submit all of those takes to our silent judge, and uh, they're going to give us a verdict on how those went. All right. And coming in from the judges, we've got AC with the ghost pepper take. We've got John with the hot take. And once again, Chappie with the mild take. So AC wins this round. Now we got a, we got basically a tie game. We got a two horse race here between AC and John King. Let's move on to our next one, which is going to be men's basketball. So, guys, we've had a lot of success lately. Uh, Wildcats have been playing very well. A little, little bit of pickup in Missoula last week, but overall, things have been not too bad. Chappie, uh, let's start with you. What's your take for men's basketball? I'm getting screwed because I'm going first here, guys. That that that's what's happening here. <laughs> but okay, okay. Let's, let's reverse it then. He, he he feels like he's feels like he's getting screwed. Let's go to John King first. John King, what's your basketball take? Weber State will win an NCAA tournament game this year. <sighs> that is a spicy take. This is a talented team, though. So I good guard happening. Guard play. Yeah, guard play wins games in, in the tournament. Just need Isaiah Brown to get hot one night. That's all it's going to take. That's all it's going to take, and he has shown that he can do that. AC, what's your uh, hot, spicy hot men's basketball? If Isaiah Brown comes back next year, we're going undefeated in Big Sky Conference play. We ain't losing a game. Going undefeated, and we're going to win the championship. Isaiah Brown makes a comeback uh, next year for the Wildcats. We've already heard Dante Bassett's doing that. So I'm going to pass that take on to the judges. And now back to Chappie. Chappie, what's your men's basketball take? Back it up with some numbers here, boys. <laughs> Here's my hot take. Uh, 2016, last time Weber State made it to the NCAA tournament, uh, we finished the season ranked 142 in the Ken Palm ratings. Okay. Uh, currently, as it sits today, we are 136. So here's my hot take. And I felt this way for a few weeks. We are watching an NCAA tournament quality team at Weber State University. The hot take is that they may not make it to the NCAA tournament. We may not get to watch it. To me, it's going to come down to a game against Eastern, Eastern Washington in the final of the Big Sky Tournament. And it's all going to depend on whether or not Weber State is hitting threes that night. If they come out hot and they're hitting threes, they'll win the game. If they're not, they're not going to and they're not going to go to the NCAA tournament. Okay. 
Chappie's take is that uh, Wildcats will not make the tournament this year, losing to the Eastern Washington it's, it's, Eagles. It's not that we, it's the, not that we, not that we won't. It's that it's sad to me that we have the quality of a team that should make the NCAA tournament. They are good enough. They are an NCAA tournament quality team, and and it may not matter. They're not. They're not heads and head and shoulders. It's like above. a push take. Like what is this? Yeah, he's not, backing out of it. Uh-oh. What is this? Yeah, what what is this? He's talking himself out of his Shoot. own take. I don't, I don't understand what's happening here. That's definitely going to be a mild take. I'm I'm going to be honest. That okay. is a push. So we're going to submit crap. that. It's a push. It's a yeah, push. It is. So we're going to push I, those. Off. If I understood was that this Wildcat team was not going to make the NCAA tournament, they're going to run up against an Eastern Washington team in the conference championship and fall short. So that's it. Let's go with that. We send them to the judges and the results. Chappie's take is hot. John's take is ghost pepper. And AC's take is medium. I'm surprised by that. The judges What's being very take? I don't even know what Chappie's take is. What is it? Everybody yeah, exactly. else knows. Just, just go with it, man. Just I, think, I think the judge is throwing Chappie a bone here for two mild takes in a row. Uh, let's go to the next section. I've got women's basketball. Uh, this is an area where we've had some struggles on campus lately. Um, so, John King, I want to start with you. What's your hot take for women's basketball? Well, it's definitely been um, a really, really, really tough season for the women's basketball team. So my hot take before the end of the season is that the Wildcats will win at least one game. Okay, had some. Uh, we've had some close ones, uh, but unfortunately, the Wildcats haven't haven't been able to get that elusive dub yet. So John's take, they're gonna get one. So AC, let's go to you. What's your uh, what's your spicy take for women's basketball? My take is that in this off season, Coach Valeta Harris needs to do. She needs to pull a Randy Ray. She needs to go out and get a ton of transfers. And if she does that, this team's gonna see a massive influx of wins next year. They're gonna win 15 games next year if she goes out and gets a bunch of transfers this off season. 15 games. Okay. AC's take is that Coach Valeta Harris will raid the transfer portal, Randy Ray style, and uh, we're going to see a renaissance in this program. Chappie, what about you? What's your hot take for women's basketball? Uh, my hot take is that in order for us to truly be a basketball school, uh, we need to have a strong women's program. <laughs> Terribly That's mild take. take. But I, I, like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to watch. Take. That's not even a mild take. That's a mayonnaise take. You like watch Gonzaga, Gonzaga's, their men's and women's team is ranked. UConn, same thing. We, if we're going to be a really be a basketball school, both programs need to be strong. All right. We're going to submit all of those over to the judges and we're going to see what they give us. <laughs> That's a good one, guys. Oh man. The judges, they're being cheeky. So. The judges say this was Taco Bell mild across the board. Nobody gets the ghost pepper take, so that puts Johnny continues to be in the lead. We got one more round. There's an opportunity tie for AC. Uh, and Chappie, I'm sorry, uh, you've basically been eliminated, but have some fun and play the next round with us. So finally, guys, uh, we're going to volleyball. Uh, I want to start with Chappie this time. What's your What's your spicy take? Okay, my hot take is that within three years, Jeremiah Larson is coaching at Brigham Young University and not at Weber State University any longer. Oh, <laughs> whoa. This, <laughs> is a, this is a hot take that I don't like. Yeah, what is this? Okay, Jappy's hot take. Man, Jappy, you're just like pissing everybody off, man. Like, what is... So the hot take is that Jeremiah Larson will be leaving the Wildcats, heading south to his alma mater in Provo. Oh, man, that um, I mean, I'll be honest, it's a spicy take. So, AC, let's go to you. What's your spicy take for this women's volleyball team? It's a spicy take, but it's a crap take. Boo. Anyway, Mm. my take 
this this year's team is the best team in school history, most talented team in school history, with the best player in school history ever. And this team is going to go somewhere that this program, this school has never been. They're winning an NCAA tournament game this season. Okay. I mean, there's definitely potential, especially after what we saw in Greeley this weekend, took on the champs. I don't know if you guys saw this afterward. I think AC shared it. Uh, The uh, Northern Colorado Bears ended up tweeting out well after getting swept by the Wildcats in Greeley. Well, we'll see Weber State in the tournament when it matters. And we certainly will. Can't wait for it. So that's a bulletin board material for that. John King, give us your spicy take for women's volleyball. Well, I was going to do the same take as what AC just had, but in the name of trying to be spicier, um, when you look at the job that Coach Jeremiah Larson has done, basically, res- you know, taking this program from absolutely nothing to, you know, a team that could, be, that could be in the NCAA tournament this year, I'm going to say that he will be the national coach of the year. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I like that. In direct contrast to Chappie's take. <laughs> so, all right, we're going to submit these three takes to our judges. And so we've got a uh, man, guys, this is uh, oh, this is great. Oh, this is this is really special right here. This is this is special. So. The takes are uh, AC's got the medium take. John King walks away with the win with the ghost pepper take. Chappie. Oh, man. So. It's it's not good. This is the Taco Bell fire take, meaning while it is spicy, <laughs> diarrhea of the mouth. <laughs> oh, man. So that's hammer it. time, folks. Yeah, that was hammer time. Great, great job, guys. Uh, awesome take. Really enjoyed that one. Uh, now we're going to wrap this one up. We're going to talk about upcoming games that we have on the schedule. So like most weeks, uh, this will all begin on Thursday. So Thursday, men's basketball will be playing in Sacramento against Sac State. That'll be 6 p.m. Pluto uh, and 103 won the wave. Uh, and of course, that means that women's basketball here in the Purple Palace playing Sacramento State also at 6 p.m. on Pluto TV. Then on Friday, we have softball, a lot of softball going on. So they will be the softball team will be down in St. George playing in Dixie State's tournament. They'll be starting off the day against Northern Colorado at 12:30 p.m. And then later in the day, they will be playing against the, the host, Dixie State, 5:30 p.m. And that night we've got the showdown in the Swens Gym. Women's volleyball will be taking on Sac State, 6 p.m. That game will be on, or that match will be on Pluto TV. And then finally, we got Saturday. More softball to start the day off against Utah State in St. George, 11 a.m. And then men's basketball, once again, playing at Sac State at noon, as has been the tradition this season. Uh, that game will be on Pluto TV and 103 on the wave. Women's basketball also be playing Purple Palace at noon on Pluto TV. And then we've got volleyball. Volleyball will be playing Sac State again at 4 p.m. in the Swenson Gym. That match will be on Pluto TV. And finally, to wrap up the day, we've got football. Football will be finally kicking off against the Idaho State Bengals in Pocatello at the Garbage Arena. That game will be on Pluto TV and 103 won the wave. And wrapping all this up on Sunday, softball will be taking on Dixie State one last time, 130 in St. George. That will wrap up the show like we do normally. Uh, you can email us if you have some comments, ideas, send us, uh, send us an email. WeberStateWeekly at gmail.com is the place. We are also, like we mentioned at the top of the show, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Twitter is the best place to interact with the Weber State Weekly team, especially on game day. And we have got a blog. We've got somebody covering the softball beat. So if you want to stay up to date on what's going on there, check out our blog at WeberStateWeekly.com. And lots and lots of good content there. 
to stay up to date on all the things that are happening because this spring is busy. So with all that, guys, I want to thank everybody for coming on Weber State Weekly this week, especially Coach Hammer. And uh, we'll wrap it up like we usually do and say Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 Go Wildcats. Weber State Weekly is a Deep State Media production. It's produced by Colby Peterson. It's directed and edited by Dan Martinez.